0: Let's open with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. We love you and we praise you. Less of me, more of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we've been going through 1 Kings, we first saw the life of Solomon. David's David's life came to an end. We saw King Solomon reign. We saw that King Solomon was the wisest man in the world. But then we saw that though he was wise when it came to other people his own life was pretty much a disaster. And in the end we saw that he 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 was not kings are not to multiply chariots they're not to multiply which is military, not to multiply gold, wealth and they were not to multiply wives. And Solomon had so much gold that silver became as common as rocks they thought they were of no value. Uh, He had chariots beyond what he could ever use. And then we know that he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's not multiplying. that's, That's some algebra in there somewhere. That's a big number. So then what got even worse at the end of Solomon's life, it says that if he married these women, he, they would, he would begin to follow their foreign gods. That they were not to intermarry with people who worshipped false gods. And he did anyway. And at the end, if you'll remember, he started building altars to all the false gods right on the Mount of Olives, which is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And it's right across. So he, God used him to build a temple. And Solomon's temple, they say, is one of the greatest, most glorious buildings ever built. But in the end of his life, he's building altars and shrines to these false gods right in eyesight. There's just a small ravine and there they are. So Solomon's life came to an end. And because of his rebellion, God said that he would, the kingdom would be taken away from him. But for the sake of King David, uh, the faithful one, a man for God's own heart who had his own problems, but he repented, that they would be able to keep one tribe. That's the tribe of Judah. So when you read the Bible, you, have, you, have, you see Judah and Israel, it used to be all Israel. And then from this point on, First Kings 11 on, Judah is the southern portion of what used to be Israel. And then the 10 tribes to the north is Israel. And so we saw last week, the Rehoboam thought he was going to reign over all of it. And then we saw that God, and I tiled the message last week, if you weren't here, servant leadership. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. To walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. The anger of man does not produce a righteousness of God. We must obey God rather than men, and we must fear God. And so what ended up happening with Rehoboam, he found out quickly that he was not going to inherit all of the land. He thought he was going to. And then Jeroboam was given the 10 northern kingdoms. And both of them were warned, just like Solomon was warned. If you will obey God, I will bless you. If you disobey God, judgment will come. So now we come to tonight's chapter. And we're going to continue looking at Jeroboam. Because what did Jeroboam do? Remember last week's chapter, how it ended? That they were commanded to go to Jerusalem three times a year. There were three feasts during the year. Feast of Tabernacles, Passover. I'm vapor locking. Passover, tabernacles. There's one more I'll remember in a minute. So those three feasts, they were supposed to go down to uh, Jerusalem and make sacrifice. And because Jerusalem was in Judah... Jeroboam was worried that if his people went down there, they might not come back or they might get homesick. They'd see the temple and they wouldn't come back. And so what he did instead, he began to build altars. He built them in Bethel and he built them in in different places uh, in in Dan, in the southernmost part and the northernmost part of the 10 tribes. And he built these altars and then he made golden calves for them to worship. So he said, look, You don't need to go all the way down to Jerusalem. It's way more convenient. You can just worship God here. You can worship these gods that I've created here. And I told you, if you go to Israel, Dan is the northernmost part of Israel. And when people talk about Israel, all of it together, including Judah, it's Dan to Beersheba. Beersheba's in the south, Dan's to the north. And if you go there now, that altar is still there. And we teach the chapter we taught last week sitting there, because there they were making sacrifices to false gods. And so Jeroboam was warned about it. He did it anyway. And I, I use the illustration that it's make, making religion convenience. We're not religious. We have a relationship with the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? And we don't just make it easy and simple. You know, if we're not willing to endure some suffering in this life for the sake of the kingdom, show me somebody in the Bible used mightily and I'll show you somebody who suffered greatly. Amen. And it's just a willingness. We got to die to or Deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow me. And in America, people don't want to go to church because it's raining. You know, it's raining outside. I hate to get into my car with leather seats and turn the heat on and listen to Christian music and drive for however long I have to drive. I'm going to stay. But guys, it's, it's not what's most convenient. It's doing what's most godly. Can I get an amen? And doing what is easy is rarely right, and doing what is right is rarely easy. And so the chapter ends. They're worshiping these false gods on the altars. Uh, they're worshiping golden calves. Why is it always golden calves, by the way? They keep bringing them golden calves from way back in the Egypt days. Well, remember that Jeroboam, he was afraid when Solomon was alive because he was told he was going to take over the 10 northern kingdoms. And Solomon found out and wanted to kill him. And then Rehoboam found out. And what, what did Jeroboam do? He hid where? In Egypt. And maybe that's why he brought the gods of this world. Egypt in the Bible is a type or a picture of the world. So now we pick up to chapter 14. And as we do, the false gods are being worshiped on these altars. People are forsaking the the fellowship and the ministry that's supposed to take place in Jerusalem. So grab your outline. And this is is not a secret sensitive message by any stretch. Here's the text. When God's people rebel, when God's people rebel, Can we get the people that just came in some outlines? Thank you. They got it. We've got got to take care of the ladies up front. No, absolutely. When God's people rebel, number one, God brings divine correction from his word. You hear me say this often, rebellion or fellowship, choose one. You can't have both. If you're going to walk in rebellion against God, you won't have fellowship with God. And God loves us enough that when we uh, are in rebellion, that he will bring divine correction. Number two, When God's people rebel, there's an unwillingness to repent. You hear me say it often when confronted with sin, you can do one of three things make excuses, accuse others, or repent. Number three, when God's people rebel, we heed the words of men and angels above the word of God. This is such an appropriate portion of scripture tonight. So many. Of the, every one of the the false religions that are out that are out there, and all the religions are false outside of Christianity. Amen. Well, that's narrow, Pastor Dave. Well, we've only got one risen and living Savior and a bunch of dead prophets. Can I get an amen? amen. So the risen living Savior triumphed over sin and death. And here's the part. We're going to see in tonight's text that God has given a word, and then another man comes along and says, yeah, but an angel told me to tell you to do this, and it's contrary to the word that came from God. And we're going to see how God responds to that, because isn't it amazing how many, you know, the Mormonism and so many others, an angel showed up and gave me a new word. If it's new, it's not true. Can I get an amen? It's the word of God is always the plumb line of truth. Number four, when God's people rebel, we deal with the consequences of disobeying what God has told us to do. Guys, the Lord loves those who the Lord loves, he disciplines, amen? Now, he's a loving, a gracious, and a merciful God. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. He proved it on the cross of Calvary. But like a good father should be, he disciplines his kids to bring them back into right standing with him, amen? And when we rebel against him, He will bring divine and righteous judgment, if necessary, and consequences. When we rebel against, when when God's people rebel, we face the righteous judgment of God. We'll see that in tonight's text. We find out firsthand, left the word out, the harm we can bring to others when we think we speak for the Lord. Somebody's going to come to this prophet of God and tell him The same guy that an angel spoke to him and that he's speaking for the Lord. Anybody ever had anybody come up and say, you know, God told me to tell you. Okay. Now sometimes can that be God? What's the answer? Sure. Sometimes not so much. Can I get an amen? Amen. I believe in the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gift of prophecy. It's biblical. Amen. The the gifts do not die with the apostles contrary to what some might think. Okay. So the gifts are still for today. But be careful, because just because somebody says that doesn't mean it's true. And they might even think that. I've had people come tell me stuff like, yeah, God did not tell you that? No, 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 no. And they'll tell you things that are just straight nonsense and put God's name in it. No, 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 no. And that's why when someone says, God told me, guess where we need to go to make sure it agrees with? The plumb line of truth, the word of God. Amen. Amen. God's not going to tell you something that contradicts the word of God. Amen. God's word is the final court of authority. You've heard me say it a hundred times. 101 won't hurt you. 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote the book. Amen. And so we need to go to the word of God and not fall into the trap of, again, thinking we can now... Can, God will, God will sometimes use somebody, they'll be stirred up by the Lord, and usually they'll come to you in humility, not arrogance, and say, you know, I feel like the Lord's telling me I should share this with you, and if it's not from God, please forgive me. And there's that kind of humility. But the pe- person that, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm a prophet, and I'm going to speak for the oh, Lord, be careful. Finally, when God's people rebel, our hearts can become hard, and we can become unteachable. Amen. They're those that rebel against God and they're just so seared over and so hard and you try to reach them. And, they just, and no matter what you say, they're just, they're set in their ways. They've made up their mind. And the Bible tells us when, when you come along somebody like that, and this is, sounds harsh, but it's not, he says, they need to be delivered over to the devil for the destruction of the flesh. It's not to destroy them. It's to restore them. Amen. It's so that if they lose fellowship and they reap the consequences of their behavior, the hope would be that they would come to the end of themselves and realize, well, man, I I want to be back with God and his people, and they will do what's necessary to, to, again, be back in fellowship. So let's begin there. When God's people rebel, um, God brings divine correction from his word. Look at verse one. And behold, a man of God, went to, from Judah to Bethel so he came from the south he came from where Rehoboam was reigning he came down from where Jerusalem is and it says uh, and and to Bethel by the word of the Lord. So a man of God by the word of the Lord. So Judah's the southern kingdom. Bethel means house of God. Bethel is where one of these uh, altars had been set up to worship these idols, these false gods. And he travels a great distance to go address what's taking place there. So this man called by God could speak with authority and boldness because he spoke the word of the Lord. So a man of God, by the word of the Lord. Those are both underlined in my Bible. Why? Because the man of God is of no valuable without, of no valuable without the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. People, I'm a man of God. I really, okay, I want to hear the word of God. And the word of God also needs to be in the hands of a man of God. Because if it's in the hands of a false prophet, it can also be a mess. Can I get an amen? So a man of God with the word of God can speak with authority because it's coming from the Lord. He's just a tool in the hand of the master. Amen? And so that's what we see here. And he says there, And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. So Jeroboam's there with this with his man-made religion that he created, worshiping these golden calves, and they're burning incense, so it's in public. As people are all gathered together, it's more convenient. Why go all the way down to Jerusalem? You know, why, why drive eight miles to go to Calvary Chapel? You can go to the Buddhist temple right across the street from your house. And that's kind of what's happening here. And so there's a big crowd of people there, and this man of God shows up. And remember, Jeroboam is the king of the north. He's a man of, of authority, from the, from, again, from the world's perspective. And so verse 2 says, What does this man of God do? It says, he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. And he said, oh, altar, altar. Thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah, by name, shall be born to the house of David. And he shall sacrifice the priests of of the high places who burn incense on you. And the men's bones shall be burned on you. So Jeroboam's there, and this man of God is there, and Jeroboam has created this man-made religion, and all the people are coming. They're they're taking on what's convenient. And then into the midst of this idolatrous, uh, ungodly, uh, uh, pagan worship, a man of God comes in and says, what does he say? He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. Guys, when we speak out about things that are ungodly, people don't need to hear our opinion. They don't need to see us being angry or we just need to give them the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? Just give them the word of God, truth and love. Amen. But preach the truth, do it with boldness, do it in love. But that's a loving and a gracious thing to do. You know, some people, you know, they'll say, I hate Bible thumpers. Well, I'd rather be thumped by the Bible than anything else. Can I get an amen? (laughs) If I need correction, give it to me from the word of God. Amen? And the word of God needs to be transforming our lives. And so he tells him, you know, this man of God by the word of the Lord speaks up in the midst of this very public worship service. And he prophesies against the altar and he prophesies of the king by name that would come and bring judgment upon the altar to the golden calves. He speaks about Josiah. Now, see, the Bible rocks. This is one of many places throughout scripture. Guess how many years later Josiah is going to show up? 290. Isn't it awesome when... God's word people say well God's word you know the bible men wrote it and it's filled with contradictions first of all I love when they say that I say show me one can I get an amen to that and it's usually someone who's an authority in a book they've never read cuz they'll tell you well yeah the bible tell me and then they don't know but you know what's amazing there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the old testament that were all fulfilled exactly as the word of god said so can I get an amen to that and you know what you know who can do that god can the world can't, but God can. Amen? I'd love to ask people about that. How many how many prophecies did the birth of, of Buddha fulfill? How many prophecies did the birth of Muhammad fulfill? You know, the Bo- Old Testament tells us that Jesus would born and be born in Bethlehem, that he he would live, he would spend time in Nazareth. The Bible tells us he would be born of a virgin. You go down the list of all the prophecies that point to the Messiah. Like a lamb led to slaughter, he would open not his mouth. It describes the crucifixion in Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 to a T. Guys, Jesus is the fulfillment. The Old Testament all pointed to Jesus, amen? And none of it pointed to these false prophets. And so he comes in and he's prophesying. He's speaking the truth and he's speaking it with boldness because he's speaking the word of the Lord. It said, men's bones shall be burned on you. Now, this is not human sacrifice. It's not what he's talking about God's not for that. What he's talking about is in that future, some years later, and we'll see it when we get there. It's actually in 2 Kings 23. It's not that far off, but it's 300 years in the future. That's exactly what's going to happen. Josiah is going to come. He's going to see the altar. He's going to break it down. And then he's going to pull the bones of the priests who had been Having worship on these altars, out of the tombs and burn them on top of the altar, because that would desecrate the altar and never make it be never be able to use again. I love that Josiah's by name; his name means "whom Yahweh heals." So, 300 years later, this young king would come, and it says in Second Kings 23. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place where Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. You know, it's not good when your name is followed by who made Israel sin. Can I get an amen? Dave, who made Calabasas sin. I don't want that. Can I get an amen? He said, who made Israel sin had made both the altar and the high place. He broke down and he burned the high place and crushed it to powder. Now that's, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. He crushed it to powder. And burned the wooden image. As Josiah turned, he saw the tombs that were there on the mountain. And he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of God, which the man proclaimed, which, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. So we know this man's a prophet because he said that 300 years in the future, he said in the future, he didn't say how long, and 300 years in the future, exactly what he said would happen, would happen. How many times does a prophet have to be wrong to be a false prophet? What's the answer? One time. One time. It's not, it's not batting 300 like a baseball player. It's, it's 1,000. Amen? So this should have brought a fear of righteous judgment and a heart of repentance to Jeroboam. Should have made him think, well, wait a minute, a prophet's gonna come, I don't know when, and he's gonna destroy this altar. There's gonna be righteous judgment coming from God. Maybe I should fix this now. Verse three. And he gave the sign the same day. If this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and ashes shall be poured out. Now, often when someone gives a future prophecy, people will walk away going, Well, how do we know it's gonna happen? 300 years from now or however long it's going to be but often when god gives a future prophecy we'll get a glimpse of it in the then in the immediate a lot of things you see in scripture are a picture of things to come in a much greater way and so to show that this prophet was telling the truth the man of god again he interrupts this pagan worship service he first prophesies of what would happen to the altar of the future in the future, and, uh, and again, as they have been mulling over those things in their minds, how do we know it's really going to happen? God is going to bring immediate judgment to show just as a picture of a greater judgment to come. So point number one there, when God's people rebel, God brings divine correction from his word. So that's exactly what happened. Praise God for a man of God who will speak to the people who are supposed to be the people of God who've lost their way. This is an opportunity for them to repent, for them to go back to Jerusalem where they're supposed to make sacrifices, for them to show up for the feast where they're supposed to be, to worship God the way God commanded it. So the only way that happens, we're going to see Elijah later. Man, you'll love me some Elijah. Can I get an amen to that? Love that bro kicking. He just kicks the stuff down and breaks it. Then he mocks her. If your God is God, then let's just go pray. Let's go find out prophets of Baal or, or the, or the true and living God. And let's find out. Well, let's call fire down and see who brings fire down. Elijah was a man who was unashamed and knew that God would show up. Can I get an amen? And so I love this heart here that we don't know this, this young prophet's name. It's not even mentioned anywhere in this chapter. But he came and he was faithful to proclaim the truth. Now watch what happens. Sometimes when when God's people uh, rebel, there's often an unwillingness to repent. So they've heard, this altar is going to be broken down. Jeroboam's not going to be happy. This is is a religion I made. I want to keep my people up here. I don't want them going to Jerusalem. They might not come back. It's kind of like a pastor who's afraid if a sheep go visit another church, they'll never come back. Well, first of all, they're not your sheep. They're God's sheep. And we're all one church. Can I get an amen to that? And I have found that sheep are fed. Don't, don't hop the fence. Can I get an amen? They don't hop the fence to go, you know, to go eat dirty weeds when they got green grass. So just feed them, love them. They all belong to the Lord. They're not yours. Well, Jeroboam is focused on himself, not the people. Focus on himself, not the Lord. Now watch how he responds in verse four, verse 4. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, he cried out and repented and asked God to forgive. No, that's not what it says. Wouldn't it be great? He could have got on his knees and repented right here. Can I get an amen? What does he do instead? He heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar of Bethel and he stretched out his hand saying, arrest him. So he's confronted with really his sinful behavior and his choice to go from worshiping the true and living God to a false God and then he looks at this man, and because Jeroboam is in a position of authority, he points at him and says, arrest him. Now watch what happens. You know, I, I have to commit, commit, uh, admit in my flesh, I'd kind of like to see stuff like this a little more often, but watch what happens. It says in verse 4, He cried out at the altar of Bethel, stretched out his hand, to arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Arrest him. And then his hand withered. Oh, and he's standing there with a withered hand. That's righteous and immediate judgment. got I get an amen? He calls out to arrest him. He points to the prophet of God. Now, we know in scripture, a lot of prophets got killed. Amen. A lot of times they prophesied and God did not deliver. Well, he delivered them to heaven is what he did. Amen. And a lot of times, but it's sometimes God allows us to go, you know, we can stand for the things of God and we might lose our job. Amen. We make a stand for the things of God and we might have a friendship that breaks down. And we don't, you know, we love people, but we cannot only stand up for God when we think he's going to make sure there's no consequences or judgment. But in this case, God was working on Jeroboam and giving him an opportunity to recognize that the God he was, had created is nothing compared to the God he's coming against. Amen. Because the gods he created didn't exist. They were false gods. This is a, again, this is kind of like Elijah and the prophets of Baal. This is a test. He call, he's basically calling on his God and calls to arrest the man who speaks for God, and his hand withers up. And then, as his hand withers up, it's interesting to see again how God, by his grace, so Jeroboam's been publicly humiliated. And when you're a king, you don't like that. You want to be worshiped and praised and honored, and the last thing you want is to be humiliated. Verse five. The, also, the, the altar also was split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. See, I love this. He tells him in the future, there's a man coming, Josiah t- says his name, so you have to wonder, and he's going to come and he's going to you know he's going to defile this, he's going to burn it up, it's going to be but we're going to see something happen immediately to know that this truly is a man of God. That when he prophesies, it does really happen. So here's the, here's the power struggle here, right? You got one guy saying, arrest him, who's built these golden calves and has this false altar. And he puts his hand out and it withers up. And the guy who spoke with boldness, exactly what he said would happen in the immediate happened. Guys, let God be true and every man a liar. And God's word is true. We can believe it. We can stand on it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Now watch. Look at how he changes his tune pretty quick here. Then the king, verse six, answered and said to the man of God, please entreat the favor of the Lord. Who? What does it say? Your God. Now, wasn't supposed to be Jeroboam's God. What's the answer? He is the king of Israel. These are God's chosen people in the land of promise that God had promised to them. He's supposed to represent the Lord to the people, to minister to the people. He's, he's God's man. And in a short amount of time, he refers to him as your God. Because my God's a golden calf and that's not working out. Can I get an amen? That golden calf ain't healing any withered arms. Amen? It's not going to happen. And so he asked him can you please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored? Now watch the grace here. Now, the same man that he said, arrest him, is about to pray for him. And and you know what, guys? That should be our heart. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen. Amen? And so when somebody attacks you because they don't know the Lord and because they're angry and what, for whatever reason, we should be kind and loving and gracious and try to minister to them. And so the very guy, he said, arrest him. He then says, can, can you see if the Lord's your God? You know, my hands withered up here. Not really good for a king. Can we, can we get this fixed? What can we do? I love it. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Now I would this chapter this it should just, it should end right here with him getting on his knees. Can I get an amen? amen? Your hand was withered; he healed it. I think we know who God is. Amen. It's not them golden calves over there who can't talk, or wooden calves, whatever they're made of. These 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 false idols can't do anything for you. They were made with your hands. You took a block of wood or whatever you made them from and half of it went in the fire and the other half you made your God. If your God can be made, if your God can be broken, if your God can be burnt up, you need another God. Can I get an amen? Amen. You told me, I told you I'd be, I was in in India, India one year for Diwali, which is the high Hindu holiday. I went every year for seven years to teach, I teach up to a thousand pastors how to study and teach the Bible. These guys were coming out of Islam and Hinduism and they had the high Hindu holiday and they told me not to go outside, but I couldn't help it. So I was walking down the, and they had these tables full of gods. You have all these, Hinduism has 30 million gods. I was on the plane one time flying back from India and the guys said, you Christians, you only have one God. We have 30 million gods. I said, how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Can't even know all their names. But here's what happened. Uh, Somebody bumped the table and the table went like this and about 40 gods fell off and shattered into pieces. And I looked at the guy and I said, bro, if your God can break, that's kind of tough. Can I get an amen? Our God's the creator of all things. And so he heals Jeroboam. And you would think that Jeroboam would repent. And you know what? Our God comes to us. And gives us opportunities to repent. But when our hearts grow hard and we walk in rebellion against God, often God will give us this opportunity and we'll just keep running right through it. And here's what I want. Here's the sad part. The more times we reject the grace of God, the harder our hearts become. Amen? There's a point where it says they're turning themselves over to a reprobate mind, where they've just hardened their heart toward God. They don't hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit anymore. Boy, that's a scary place to be. Amen? Then he says there in verse seven, then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. What happened to arrest him? Two two verses ago. But you know what? This is totally, he's playing politics here. Here's what's happened. He's been shamed in front of his own people. His hand withered up in front of his own people. The God of this prophet, the true and living God healed him. And so now to kind of save face, he says, hey, bro, you know, arrest him. Hey, why don't you come over to my house? Come come, hang with me. Come back to the palace with me and we can have a meal together and everybody will see it and people will think that you and I are on the same page. And so instead of repenting, he tries to win favor. It reminds me when King Saul was hanging on to Samuel, remember that? And he wanted Samuel to, to bless him, to not, you know, please bless me as, as, while he was walking in rebellion. And, and when, when Samuel walked away, he tore his robe. You guys remember that? And he said, it, just like you tore your robe, the kingdom of God's been torn from you. So how is this prophet of God going to respond? So we see God's mercy. We see him showing him some grace. Jeroboam's message from God is, you can't do anything. You can't heal yourself. Certainly you can't uh, lead and protect your nation. It's time for you to repent, to turn back to the true and living God. Your gods have no power. The true and living God does. And then Jeroboing, having been publicly rebuked and shamed, seeks again to save face inside of the people. To give the appearance that the prophet and he were in agreement. But there can be no fellowship apart from repentance. Because one man's walking in fellowship and the other one's walking in rebellion. Do we still love those people? Let's see, of course we do. Therefore, the grace of God is every one of us. Amen. But we minister to them, but not have any fellowship with them. Our heart should be, how can we turn their eyes back to you, Lord? We're never arrogant. We're never self-righteous. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to be loving and kind and gracious, but we also need not to join into their behavior. Jesus was not like the world. He was, we were called to be in the world, but not of the world. Our boats in the water. Don't put the water in the boat. Can I get an amen to that? Put the water in the boat, boat sinks. Amen. And so we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So notice what it says. So he gets invited to the palace. That's a big deal. And, and eating together in those days was a big deal. There was a real mark of friendship and relationship. But what does he say? Verse eight. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread, nor drink water in this place, to this place. He said, look, I don't want, if you gave me half your house, I'm not coming. Now, look, he showed him grace by praying for him, but he's not going to be in fellowship with him. See, it's one that we can pray for anyone. Can I get an amen to that? But we can pray for anyone, but it doesn't mean we join in fellowship with them. Bad company corrupts good morals. Amen? And this king is in rebellion. He's created his own religion. They're worshiping calves. They've got a false altar. He's basically in total rebellion against God. And he wants the man of God to come and be in fellowship with him. And he lets him know, not for half your house. If you gave me half the palace, I'm not doing it. And we're going to find out why, even more so in a moment. But no amount of money would move the prophet to appear as if he condones the king's idolatry. And would not fellowship with someone who was walking in open rebellion against God. You know the sad thing today? A lot of Christians do get moved by money, don't they? And they'll compromise for money. You cannot serve God and mammon. Can I get an amen? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Having money is not evil, but when you love money more than you love God, it's a a false idol and it's a problem, amen? Now watch what happens. He says, here's why I'm not going to do it. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return the same way by which you came. The Lord had spoken to this young prophet before he went. And he told him, when you get there, when you arrive there, here's what you are to do. And when you're done, don't stay and eat with them and don't leave and go back the same way you came. You're to leave another way. So God gives him clear instruction. And now the king wants him to alter what God has told him to do and feed his flesh instead. And this man of God is not going to do it. And that's exactly what the enemy will tempt us with. God has a clear direction for our life, he'll try to bring things to draw us away and distract us from what God has called us to do. And a man of God, will, and a man of God or a woman of God who's heard from God will say, No, I'm not doing that. God said it, that settles it. Can I get an amen? God makes it very clear. I've been a pastor for, I think, 31 or 32 years. And in ministering to people, there's nothing that breaks my heart more when the word of God so clearly says something and they make the conscious choice. I know what the word of God says, but I'm going to do this. And you know the, you know destruction's coming. You know the consequences will not be far behind. I feel like jumping up and down on the table sometimes. Please. But we can't. God, God won't force people to obey him. And we certainly can't. Can I get an amen? And we all struggle with obedience to some level in our own lives. Can I get an amen to that? So it's just heartbreaking. And so he's telling him, come eat with us. No, not doing it. God told me not to. I'm not doing it. The sad part is he's not going to hold on to this conviction as long as he should. So God had clearly spoken to him, given specific instructions, including the direction of not sticking around. Why would God want the prophet to go straight home? Perhaps he was concerned he would become corrupted by Jeroboam. So the man of God heeds the word of God, at least for the moment. By the way, take heed lest he fall. So he went another way and did not return by the way. He came to Bethel. Again, he is being faithful to the word of God of God. By the way, it's hard to be faithful to the word of God if you don't read the word of God. Open it, read it, obey it. Can I get an amen? amen. Open it, read it, obey it. Sometimes the opening it parts the hardest. I hate to use this analogy, but it's true. When I was younger, and you have to imagine, because it was a long time ago, but I used to be pretty heavily into bodybuilding and working out. I was a pretty yoke guy. And getting to the gym was always the hardest part. You work a full day, you're tired. It's just easier to sit in a recliner, eat a sandwich, and watch a ball game. But when you get to the gym and you work out, you're always glad you went, right? Well, far more is the truth spiritually But sometimes it's hard to open the Word of God because the enemy doesn't want you to. But man, when you open it up and read it, you never regret it. Can I get an amen to that? And often you open it up to read it and you just get, I just, I've sat in my car between sales calls. I look up and I've been in the Bible for two hours. Just reading God's Word. It's the living and breathing. This is the only book that not only do you read it, but it reads you. And it's the only book ever written where the author loves the reader. Can I get an amen to that? He loves you and he wrote it down and it transforms your life and and so praise God that this man was standing by the word of God, at least up to this point. Point number three, we heed the words of when we're in rebellion, we heed the words of men and angels above the word of God. Look what happens in verse 11. This has so many applications as we read through this text. Now, an old prophet dwelt in Bethel. So this is not the same prophet. The other one's the young prophet. This is the old prophet. It says, an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. So the old prophet, I don't know if he's retired or what. I don't think, I didn't think prophets retired, but he's the old prophet. And the word comes to him from his sons. Hey, dad, first of all, his sons were at the altar. That's a bad idea. Can I get an amen to that? You couldn't have witnessed it if you weren't up there for worship. If you've been down in Jerusalem where you should have been, you'd have missed it completely. So they were up there and they saw this young prophet come in and they heard the words that he spoke. And they saw how, you know, the withered hand, he saw all of that. And they were telling their dad, this old prophet, what they had witnessed. Who is this guy? Is he really a prophet? Is he a godly man? Is he an ungodly man? Well, we'll see. Verse 12. And their father said to him, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen the way the man of God went, who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode it, and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. By the way, I am. I love that. I am that I am. Right? Amen. Now, now, we don't know his motive yet because if you're a prophet of God, if you're a man of God or a woman of God and you hear that God's doing something great and you hear, you know, there's, you know, I remember this. I'm a bearish Doug, So I came to work back down here. I used to work for this company from 88 to 96. Then I moved to Northern California from where I pastored the church in Santa Cruz. Uh, you know, I have a full-time job and advertising from 96 to 2011. When I came back, I was looking at the names of the people on the list to see if any more people I knew, there were a few, and one of them said, Doug Boozian. Well, I used to work with Doug's dad. And I went to lunch with a couple of guys, and they're like, oh, they found out I was a Calvary Chapel pastor. They said, oh, you're gonna love Doug Boozian, it's Junior, and he, and he goes to a Calvary Chapel and he loves Jesus. I'm like, man, cool, I can't wait to meet this guy. So the next day, we're at MB2 for racing for work, they're doing this outing, and I see, and, I, and so I said, where's Doug Boozian? They go, that's him, and I see him from across the room, ask him, hey, are you Doug Yeah, God bless you, bro. I hear you. you know, and we start talking about, I'm talking about, the, he thought I was crazy. He thought I needed decaf. Can I get an amen? But the point is, when you love Jesus and you meet someone else who loves the Lord, isn't there an immediate connection or a desire to get to know each other? Can I get an amen to that? When you got Jesus in common, you got everything. So here's this old prophet, and maybe he hasn't seen another prophet lately, and he hears that God's moving through this man, and he chases after him. Now, this could be good. He could just say, Hey, I'm, I, man, I want to fellowship. Can we pray together? Can we fellowship together? You know, tell me what God's doing in your life. You know, it could have been great. But we're going to see something different happen, unfortunately. And it's pretty tragic. Now, he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. Now, did God tell him not to go to, go to anybody's house and eat bread? What's the answer? Told him not to. And he already, told, he already said, I'm not going to palace to eat bread. But well, maybe it's okay if he goes to the prophet house. No, when God tells you to do something, it doesn't matter who's trying to get you to do something else. You obey God, not man. Can I get an amen? Men that mean you harm and men that may even want what's best for you. Can I tell you, the time I've been a pastor, I've had so many people come and tell me, hey, we have an opening at our church. We want you to leave your church and come to our church. And will you come candidate our church? No. Do you need to pray about it? No. Because God brought me here and only God's going to tell me when it's time to leave. Can I get an amen to that? We don't listen to what men say. We listen to what God says. Amen. And the men may even mean right. It's okay. But when God calls you to something, if God calls you to do it, only let God call you out. Amen. And you be faithful to that calling until he tells you different and it may be the rest of your life. Amen. So he catches up to him and will you come eat bread? Now, some have suggested that the old prophet knew exactly what he was doing, was trying to get the young prophet off track. Maybe he was jealous of him. Now, Josephus, you guys have heard of Josephus, some of you, right? He was a first century writer, and he's an historian. He's not a Christian. He wasn't a Christian. He was a historian. This is not to be elevated to the word of God, but he just wrote down historical facts, and here's what he said. Whereupon he was afraid that this stranger prophet should be in better esteem with the king than himself, And obtain greater honor from him, he gave order to his son to saddle his donkey and make himself ready that he might go out. So, from Josephus' perspective, take it with a grain of salt, it's not the word of God. But he said he went after him because he wanted to make sure that this man didn't become more in higher esteem with the king than he was. Now, watch what happens. He's going to continue to be faithful, at least for the moment. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place? So he had heard from the Lord. He says there in verse 17, for I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the same way you came. Now, he tells a prophet prophet of God that the Lord had told him not to do it. So if this guy is truly a prophet of God, he would say, Oh, God bless you. Go praise the Lord. Maybe, maybe I can walk with you on the way home and we can talk for a while. You know what, but what he's going to do instead is he's going to tempt him to disobey what he knows God told him to do. And this is when you cease to be a prophet and you become a source of temptation. Can I get an amen? But watch how he's going to spiritualize the temptation. And we need to be careful as Christians, not to Throw God's name into stuff. Well, I heard from the Lord. Be careful with that. Can I get an amen? Oh, the Lord told me. Be careful with that. Now watch what he says. Verse 18. He said to him, I too am a prophet, as you are. And an angel spoke to me, By the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. And then notice, just in case we had any question whether or not this guy was telling the truth, he was lying to him. It's in the Bible. Can I get an amen? Now, we already knew if that wasn't there. If God tells you to do something and somebody else comes along and tells you to do just the opposite of what God said, we already know that person's wrong. And that person's lying. Can I get an amen? Amen. And he throws in an angel told me, by the way, we know that a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. Can I get an amen? And they still are glorious in appearance and whether, you know, Joseph Smith saw an angel or not. If he did, we, the Bible tells us in Galatians that if anybody comes whether man, if even if an angel comes and brings you another ga- a different gospel, casts them out. He's a curse. Can I get an amen to that? So we don't listen to the words of other, you know, what men say when they disregard the word of God. So if you went home tonight, and you're getting ready for bed, and an angel showed up in your bedroom, that would get your attention. Can I get an amen? And all the glory of the angel, you'd be blown away. And then the angel talks to you for 15 minutes, and during that time, contradicts, one half of one verse in the Bible. It's not the Lord. Can I get an amen? An angel comes and speaks and disregard, you know, dis, does not honor the word of God, does not agree with the word of God. They didn't come from God. Amen. And even if they agree with 99% of the word of God, because that's what false prophets do. They try to take biblical terms and make it sound, if you talk to a Mormon at your door, and I, look, I love the Mormons. I want to see them saved. Do we love the Mormons? Can I get an amen? Did Jesus die for them? Absolutely. So we love them. But they preach a false gospel. They say, oh, no. They, but if you talk to them, they'll say, oh, yeah, it's my heavenly father. And Jesus died on the cross. He's my savior. And that's all." Then you ask them, is Jesus God? Well, he's one of many gods. Is he the only true and living God? Is he the creator of all things? Yeah, uh, how about our heavenly father? Is he always been? Is he the creator? Well, no, he was a man on another planet. It was so good, he got to be God on our planet. And if I'm good enough on this planet, I get to be God on my own planet. Uh, That's not our Bible. Can I get an amen to that? And what do they have? They have other books. The Pearl of Great Price, the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants. And guys, we do not heed the, the books that are written after the Bible. We must compare them to the Bible. Can I get an Amen. And it's not the latest word that's the most relevant word. It's the truth of God's word. Amen. So when somebody brings... So if that angel comes into your room and starts to tell you things, but he contradicts the word of God once, he's a false... He's false. He's a doctrine of the devil. Can I get an amen? And it's tragic because millions of people believe... Whether that angel showed up or not, or he just saw it, because we know Joseph Smith was a fairy tale writer before he wrote the Book of Mormon, and I think that's his best fairy tale he's written. Well, the most popular fairy tale. There's nothing good about it. Amen. So the Lord told me, uh, and he said, Come on back. And by the way, an angel showed up. He's lying. And people will say, Thus saith the Lord, to try to guilt people into doing things they shouldn't. Oh, the Lord told me. The Lord told me. The Lord told me. When people tell me that, I say, "Well, when the Lord tells me, I'll let you know. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> I'm not buying it. Amen. And I've had people tell me. I felt like the Lord told me, and they're usually very humble, and they're right on the mark. Like, oh, man, that's a word. I, I, I received that. That's a word from the Lord. God can, can, God, can God do that? What's the answer? He absolutely can. But just because someone says, "Thus us say it the Lord be careful. So, Later, this same man is going to prophesy, and he's going to tell the truth. But right here, he's lying. And whenever someone, again, thus saith the Lord, God told me, God told me to tell you, which is the worst one of all of them. While we believe in the words of wisdom, the words of prophecy, and again, God's used those gifts in my life and used others to use these gifts in my life, we must check our such words against the word of God. Some people say, thus saith the Lord, and they're lying. Amen. So be careful. Check everything that's the word of God. Secondly, we must never place the words of an angel above the word of God. So even if an angel shows up, the Bible is clear. Galatians eight tells us that we need to be leery, that we stand on the whole counsel of God. Here's a direct quote from Galatians one eight. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. So not only is it just, it's not something to consider let them be accursed. Never give greater weight to any word that comes after Scripture. The word of God is the plumb line of truth. And again, let's be careful. And again, we can only recognize a lie if we know the truth. Amen? Here's Islam. It's written. You know, Islam was written in the 7th century, about 600 years after the New Testament. And what's crazy about it is, one of their tenets of faith, this, this is, you only need one. They say that when Abraham went up to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son, it says in the Quran that he took Ishmael. And Genesis says he took Isaac. So you know what that means? Quran's false. Can I get an amen? The Bible says, because here's the thing, if Isaac went up, then the Jews are God's chosen people, and Israel's God's chosen people, but if not, the descendants of Ishmael are. And so they changed the, the word of God to accommodate them and make themselves the chosen people of God. So all you need is one contradiction of a book written after the word of God. And the Quran will say, oh, we have the Old and the New Testament in there, and we believe in Jesus. No, they don't. Muhammad was a prophet of the sword. You know how you got converts? Went around with sword and said, confess that Allah is God. Muhammad is a prophet. We're gonna cut your th- We're going to cut your throat or cut your head off. You get a lot of converts that way. But the reality is you compare it to the word of God. And it's not the gospel. It's contrary to the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? So guys, we need to check everything against the word of God. Because the word of God is true. It's consistent. The prophecies are, have been fulfilled. Those are false gospels. So when God has spoken to you clearly, he calls you into ministry. He stirs you up to serve. He calls you to go to a certain place. If God directs you, know that God doesn't change his mind without letting you know. Can I get an amen to that? God doesn't tell someone else that he changed his mind about the calling on your life without telling you. If someone else comes and tells me, usually it's confirming what God's already shown me. The greatest example of that in my life was when I was in Lancaster. I was a youth pastor. Chris was in my youth group. Yes, we're old. So this is in the 80s and 90s, all right? Long time ago. So I was a youth pastor, and I had been there for eight years. And I was, my pastor had told me, hey, maybe it's time to go plant a church. I knew it was on my heart. And then a guy at church came up to me on a Sunday and he was the quietest guy in the whole church. I I don't think I'd ever heard him say a word before. And he waited after service because I was one of the pastors praying with people. And he came up to me and he was like nervous. He was like shaking. And he, he said, Hey pastor, I, I feel awkward saying this. And if I'm wrong, then just forgive me. But I had a dream about you four nights in a row. And this is what God showed me. If it means something to you, take it. If not, please forgive me. I said, okay. He said, uh, there was a city and all the. he said, it was a city and it was near the water. And there was this big, huge, uh, it was really, really dark and everything was dead and dying. And there was all these people there that were hurting and all the flowers and everything were were, were dying and, 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 and nobody would stand up. And then like, like the Lord pushed you from behind and you got up and started speaking and then everything started blossoming and all these dead people came back to life. And, and then and there was this big, huge like, revival that took place. And I've been praying about going and planting a church up in Northern California near the water. So guys, I'm like, he's like, I don't know if that means anything to you. I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I'm like, Lord, I'm thick. Is this what you want me to do? And that was confirmation. But God had told me first, can I get an amen? And what he said to me, he had no way of knowing that. Could only have come from the Lord. And it was so on the money for what God was moving on my heart. Can I get an amen? So when God calls you and God moves you, God won't use someone else necessarily to tell. I believe he will tell you. And confirmation may come from others. Amen? So don't let someone say, well, an angel told me that you're supposed to move to Toledo and plant a church. When God tells me, I'll I'll go. Can I get an amen? Be faithful. Wait on the Lord. Let God direct you. So words from others are confirmation often, most often of what God has shown you. You know why? Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You've got the word of God. Can I get an amen to that? Can God speak directly to you? He can. And sometimes God uses other people to speak into your life. But I believe when it's a major decision like that, God's going to make sure that he speaks directly to you. Let's look at verse 19. Here's a sad, here's a sad verse. So he went back with him and ate bread in the house and drank water. What did he just do? He disobeyed the Lord. Disobeyed the Lord. God told him not to do it. But an angel said, wait a minute, an angel. But an angel. I had a lady in a, in a church that I pastored who some, somebody laid hands on her and told her that she was supposed to go to a faraway country and open an orphanage. It was at some crusade she went to. And after several years... She was trying to get her husband to go. And her husband's like, I don't feel called to do that. So she left her husband and five kids to move to a faraway place to plant an orphanage. Now, do you think that's the Lord? Does God want you leaving your family and quit being? No. And, but she kept, I kept saying to her, how do you know this? Well, somebody told me, somebody said, somebody prophesied that, you know, that they'd heard from the Lord on my behalf. We better make sure God confirms it in you. Can I get an amen to that? Sadly, he disobeys the Lord. And guys, it's going to get rough. Number four, when God's people rebel, we deal with the consequences of disobeying what God has told us to do. Look at verse 20. Now what happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. Now this is the old guy who just lied to him. Now he's sitting across from the young guy and now he's going to prophesy and this time it's going to be truthful. Look what it says. Verse 21. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back and ate bread and drank water in the place which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. He's basically saying because you disobeyed God, you're a dead man. You're never going to make it back home. You will not have a, a burial with your family. Your life is over. Man, I'm glad shows I'm I'm glad that I get a little more grace than that. Can I get an amen? But when God looks uh, this man in the eye and tells him, Do not eat bread. And drink water with these people. And when you leave, don't, don't stay. Leave and walk down. The, go in the opposite direction. And this is what I want you to do. And then you just turn around and do exactly the opposite of what God said. The way of the transgressor is hard. Can I get an amen? It, you know There's a word for it. It's called rebellion. He's rebelling against God. He was used mightily by God to speak To Jeroboam, he was used mildly by God to pray that the withered hand would be healed. He's been used mildly by God, but now because he is influenced by a man telling him an angel said so. Here's the problem. He was elevating the words of man and the word of of an angel above the word of God. Amen? Because God had told him. Guys, if the word of God tells us, even if an angel shows up, and tells us that the angel Moroni created a new religion. We don't believe it. Can I get an amen? Thus says the Lord. Here's a man who is just lying about having a message from God. And now God is speaking through him. Look at verse 23. Point number five there. We face the righteous judgment of God. When we rebel against God, we face the righteous judgment of God. Look at verse 23. So it was, after he would eaten bread and after he had drunk, That he saddled a donkey for him. And the prophet whom he had brought back. For the prophet whom he had brought back. says when he had gone. A lion met him in the road and killed him. Hello. He had a sandwich and some water. And a lion killed him. Thank you Lord for your grace. Can I get an amen? But the point is. God is showing us an example of how important it is to heed the word of God, not the words of men or even the words of an angel. Can I get an amen? I pray that the next time you think about, well, maybe, you know, what the, you know what the word of God says and someone tells you to do different. Maybe it might be an escape lion on your way home. Can I get an amen? Think about the fact that obeying God is always better. Can I get an Amen. God's making a point here and we need to learn from it. So the lion killed him and his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it. And the, and the lion also stood by the corpse. Now this is amazing to me because lions don't stand by corpses. What do they do? They eat them. And if there's a donkey nearby, what does the lion do? Eat them. He's eating that flying talking donkey. Even can I get an amen? He's eating the donkey, right? And, and here's the reality, that this is the hand of God, as people are walking by, that the lion is still there, and the man's dead in the road, and the donkey doesn't run away. You know, it's the Lord at work here, but it's showing them and giving them an example of what happens when you disobey the Lord. And it says, and their men pass by. And saw the corpse thrown in the road and the lion standing by the corpse. And they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord. Three times. What does he say? The word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. Why was he killed? He disobeyed the word of the Lord. Why was he killed? Because he had heard the word of the Lord and turned away from it. And by the way, it was this guy who got him to do it. This is the guy who came and told him, I heard from an angel. You just come hang in my house. I want to hang out with another prophet or, or maybe he was envious. We don't know what his motives were, but we know he was lying. God is faithful to his word, not only his promises, but also his commands. And in this case, his righteous judgment look at verse 27 and he spoke to his son saying saddle the donkey for me so they, so they saddled it then he went and found his corpse thrown in the road and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse and the lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey and the prophet took up the corpse by the way that's another that's another miracle that the prophet could get the corpse away from the lion without getting eaten up. Took up the the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and bury him. You know, the old prophet who said, thus saith the Lord and now cost this man his life. I believe he's truly grieving. I believe he's truly repentant and heartbroken, broken. And this is why we need to be careful when we say, do not say thus saith the Lord to other people unless we know we've heard from the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? We don't tell, well, the Lord told me to tell you, thus saith the Lord. And it gets thrown around a lot. You see that a lot. You see people say that often. lady, I remember I had a lady in our church in Santa Cruz. She came and told me that we needed to have this speaker come to our church. And I said, why? She said, because he went to heaven and God put a scepter on his shoulder and he hung out with God the Father and he gave him a message and he's supposed to come down here and be the new prophet for all the... I said, yeah, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yes, it did. He said, uh, he's a liar. False prophet. Bible, no man has seen God at any time. Can I get an amen to that? Amen? So you're lying. And she just got upset. But he uh, What does the Bible say? Can I get an amen to that? And she was adamant. And this guy was such a false prophet. He came, the stuff he was teaching was absolute nonsense. By the way, I'm also leery of any book where people say they went to heaven and came back. I, first of all, if I'm going to heaven, I'm not coming back. Amen. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. I get a glimpse of heaven. I'm staying. Can kind I of amen? But that, you know, they have, and again, a lot, just be careful. Be careful. Amen? The word, of God, the word of God is true. And the word of God is the final court of authority. But I truly believe this man is heartbroken because he recognizes that it was his fault. Look at verse 30. It says there, Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. Because he could not be buried with his fathers, because God said he wouldn't be, because he could not be buried in his own hometown, this man who had drawn him away now feels heartbroken because he recognizes that his. False, you know, false prophecy to this man has caused his death. Now, it's again, the man's still responsible because someone comes and gives you false prophecy. If you believe it, that's on you. Amen. That's why you need to know what the word says. You need to know what false religion says. You need to know what the word. So what does he do? He buries him. Now, what's interesting, look at verse 31. So that after he had buried him, he spoke to his son saying, when I'm dead, then bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried to lay my bones beside his bones. What's interesting is hundreds of years later, uh, Josiah speaks about the fact that these two guys' graves were together. So even though this man had drawn this man away, it appears that he is very repentant. You know, because he said, thus saith the Lord when he shouldn't have, when he tried to use an angel. Could have been he just wanted to hang out with him. But once he heard that the word of the Lord had been spoken to him, he should have encouraged him to be faithful to the word instead of trying to draw him away from it. Amen. Final point. Again, the point six was when you find out firsthand harm we can bring to others when we think that we speak the Lord, guys, when we when we do you know that when every I've been teaching the Bible 31 so it's probably I don't know, I was thinking the other day, probably about 3,500 Bible studies or so, something like that. And do you know that I still every time I teach I teach with fear and trembling? Because do you know that it says the Bible says, let not many of you be teachers because you will be held to a higher level of accountability? Amen. And that and you'll be judged for every word that comes out of your mouth. That's why you should never get up and teach unprepared. Can I get an amen to that? If you won't bother bother studying, I'm not bothering listening. Amen. So final point here says, so for the saying when he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar of Bethel, notice he says there, he's going to say why he died for the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar of Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places, which are in the cities of Samaria will, will surely come to pass. He said, look. When I die, bury me next to him because everything he prophesied is absolutely going to take place. Final point, your hearts become hard and we can become unteachable. Final point, look what happens. After this event, Jeroboam did not turn his evil away. Did not turn from his evil way. So Jeroboam heard the word of prophecy. His hand was withered. He was healed. He heard, he heard about the man being drawn back. He heard about a lion killing him in the street. He'd seen all that God had done. He heard everything that had taken place and he still would not repent. See, he would not turn from his evil way. The word to, to repent means to change your mind, but also means to turn around. Repent means I'm headed this way. I'm doing evil. I'm outside of God's will. And then I turn around and I surrender my life to the Lord. Amen. Jeroboam would not turn from his evil way, but again, he made priests for every class of people for the high places. Who are the priests supposed to be? What tribe? What tribe? Levites. Levites. Amen. Notice none of the Levites are hanging out with the calves. They're all down in Jerusalem. When the altars went up, they went out. Can I get an Amen. And they knew what they were called to do, and they weren't having no part of it. So what did he do? Because he didn't have any priests, he just started making people priests. You're charismatic. Let's start a church with you. You don't have to be saved, but let's just use you. Amen. This also happens in churches. Our church in Santa Cruz got very large, and we'd have people that wanted to come. And can I? No offense. I love worship. God created it. Can I get an amen? But I would meet guys that are on worship teams. And they would tell me, oh, I'm just gigging. I'm not, I don't believe this stuff. I'm like, oh, no. I'd rather have a guy with a, with a, a broken down gu- gu- guitar with two strings on it. and can barely sing. who loves Jesus. Than uh, you know, the rolling stones up here. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Because you want someone who knows God. If they don't know God, they can't bring you into the presence of God. Amen. And so here we see this very clearly that he's hiring whoever to be a priest. 10 shekels in a shirt, right? You know, from the text, right? From the Bible. Whoever wished he consecrated him. And look, and he became one of the priests of the high places himself. So Jeroboam, the king of Israel, God's chosen people becomes a priest for, for the false gods of this world. He becomes someone who intercedes on behalf and makes sacrifices to these calves on altars to a foreign God. Verse 34, last verse. And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. You know, Jeroboam's name and his people, the people in Israel, would all be taken captive by the Assyrians. They'd be taken captive because they walked away from God, because they ceased to worship God, because they got caught up in the worship of the gods of this world. So tragic and so sad. It says in Second Kings 17, where it takes place, For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said to all his servants, the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria to this day. So Solomon had introduced idolatry to the southern kingdom, Judah, with shrines and altars to his wives, you know, the gods of his wives, and that would lead to captivity in Babylon. And idolatry of Jeroboam would lead to the captivity and invasion of the Assyrians. So sin has consequences, both in the generation that is now, but also the generations to come. See, because of Jeroboam's choices, his ancestors would be taken away in captivity. Because of Solomon's choices, his ancestors would be taken away into captivity. And guys, we want to live for the Lord and we want to live in such a way that we're a Christ-like example to our children and our children's children. Amen? amen? I say often in marriage counseling to the husband, you're the example of a father to your children. You're the example of a godly man to your children. You want your children to look at you and see what a godly man looks like. They want to, You want them to see how a godly man treats his wife. Can I get an amen? amen. And when you look at the woman in the, in the marriage and you're the example to your children of a godly woman. You're the example of a, a Proverbs 31 woman who's that, that helpmate. And you're the example to your boys of the kind of man he should want to marry one day. And you're an example to your girls of the kind of woman they want to grow up to be. Guys, our first ministry is in our house. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, amen? amen. And we want to be that Christ-like example. So in closing, when God's people rebel, God brings divine correction from his word. There's an unwillingness to repent even after it's made clear that we're in sin. We heed the words of men and angels above the word of God. We must test test everything against the word of God. We deal with the consequences of disobeying what God has told us to do. When we disobey God, there will be consequences. The way of the transgressor is hard. We face the righteous judgment of God. We find out firsthand how the the, the harm we can bring to others when we think we speak for the Lord and our hearts become hard and we become unteachable. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you Lord for the fact that we can learn by experience. that doesn't have to be our own Lord. Help us to not fall into the trap of the young prophet who obeys you for a while and then heeds the words that would draw him away from what you've called him to do. Lord, help us to walk in the center of your will. Help us to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. Lord, show us, direct us, guide us, lead us by your Holy Spirit. Convict us when we're out of your will. Rebuke us when we're in rebellion. But Lord, comfort us, strengthen us, and encourage us to do what you've called us to do. Lord, be glorified in our lives. May we live every day for your kingdom and for your glory. May we be a Christ-like example to the generations that are coming behind us. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray, and all God's people said...